Welcome you back into the Baseball Elite Podcast. Kyle L. Franken, Ray Flowers with you again to help you go to the finish line. And I was just thinking about this, Ray. Yesterday, of course, some people might have heard, uh, was week one of the fantasy football season. Um, I believe today, Ray, um, is roughly week 25. Kind of depends mm-hmm. on when you start things. Yep. But uh, week 25 of the fantasy baseball season. And I think that puts it in perspective right away. Like most leagues in football are going to play 16 or 17 weeks. We're not even done with baseball and we're already entering the 25th week of the season. <laughs> yeah. That's why you hear people say it's so long. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a, it's a different, it's a, just a different animal and it's so interesting, right? Because I mean, you, in baseball, you play 10 times as many games. It's not just the seasons long. You play 10 times as many games and, uh, I've never, and you and I've talked about this, I've never quite understood the utter life-changing fascination football has for people. Um, I don't know why people wouldn't rather watch a sport every day or every other day, but uh, football certainly holds sway over a lot of people. It's because they're busy, Ray. They can't ah. watch every single day. They got a job. They got a family. They want to go have fun with their friends. They want to get some fresh air. Football is you- perfect because you only just got to give up your Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Maybe. Well, now it's Thursdays and Mondays and sometimes Saturdays and they're trying to they're 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 trying to do Fridays you know you know how it goes yeah for the baseball players out there and of course that's our focus here on the podcast it's starting to be playoff time uh too for a lot of people and and Ray I know last week we kind of talked about starting pitching but you know this this playoff managing bit um is so unique to so many different leagues because everybody has different setups and you know, that goes beyond the rosters. We're just talking about how people decide their playoffs and who makes it and then how long is the championship. But this is really some high pressure uh, fun, I think, for a lot of owners out there. Now, I am not I think I've been in less than like a handful of weekly leagues that had an end of the season uh, championship month or three weeks, whatever it may be. So I don't I don't have a ton of experience in them. Uh, but there's a lot of people sweating it out each and every night as they just try to advance to the next round right now in September. Yeah, um, and you've said it, and I'll, I'll just say it again. I've said it too. I, I think that having playoffs in baseball is bad. Uh, I think it ends up you it ends up with you not even really necessarily focused on who had the best team or who has the best team. It's who has the best matchup this week. And I, you know, I don't know why you play for 22 weeks to then just play matchups, but that's what people do. Um, and, you know, in the chat room at, at Fantasy Guru, trying to help people out and, you know, give them the best advice they can to set those lineups. And, you know, I've been, I was doing it this Monday morning, seven o'clock in the morning, trying to help people out. And <laughs> I'll say this, I'm not I'm not um, trying to push our product at EliteFantasy.com, but, you know, EliteFantasy.com, it's a DFS arm of what we do. That's what they do. All they do is break down daily the matches, yeah. you know, for, I mean, those guys will spend seven hours breaking down. I don't have seven hours to spend breaking down daily matchups. So <laughs> just be straight honest with people. Right. So, you know, if people got a few extra bucks laying around and they really want to make a push to the finish line, elitefantasy.com might be a place they could get a little extra boost. Yeah. And that live stream that we do every day at uh, five 30 Eastern, that also plays into that as well. And, you know, Ray, you get playoff heroes, you know, just like we do in, in real baseball where October, you know, some guys become legends in October. Um, obviously where I'm at in St. Louis, um, to, to the general public, David freeze is a nobody, uh, to St. Louis, David freeze is like one of the greatest October heroes ever. And David freeze will never have to pay for a meal or a beer. I think he stopped drinking though. Um, <laughs> he'll never have to pay for anything really in St. Louis. David freeze is a legend. And, and I think every baseball town has that, but in the fantasy game, Ray, like, and we'll get into the starting nine here in a bit, but like in the fantasy game, right. Just, if you look at like the last week. Um, which again, kind of playoff time for fantasy players like Andrew Benintendi has been going crazy. Um, Lourdes Gurriel killing it. Um, Evan Longoria has come back after missing like uh, more than half of the season and, and looks like Longoria of, you know, six, seven years ago. You know, you've got guys like Anthony Santander showing up and putting up big numbers. Miguel Cabrera, Nicky Lopez, um, you know, on and on and on. And yeah, sure. The stars are up there, but Ray, these guys are becoming fantasy playoff heroes. Like Ben Intendi, what he's been doing lately is pretty nuts in the last, I think, I think I saw he has 14 ribbies in like the last week or something. Yeah. I was actually just pulling him up. Um, cause I was going to write about him today over at fantasy. You and I will touch on this, but we're talking about it. He's 14 for 28. <laughs> he's got 14 RBIs in seven games. 
Now, what I'm trying to figure out is how a guy has an 1,100 OPS the last two weeks and has only scored one time where he hasn't hit a home run. <laughs> come on, guys, get going here. Like, come on. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll find your answer, Ray. That's the Royals. Yeah, well, geez, can you believe that? I mean, geez. Especially um, the back end of that order. The front yeah. end's fine, but the back end's pretty ugly. Yeah, but, I mean, Benintendi, and he's been up and down this season. Overall, he's been there. You know, he just, he really hasn't. 15 home runs, eight steals is okay, but he's hitting 267. He's just been Andrew Benintendi. But yeah, he's hitting 500 the last week with double the RBI total versus games played. He has been an absolute monster. A fantasy playoff hero in our midst, and I'm sure there are um, other notables to come. They're not notable now, but they'll become notable by the end of the month if they uh, win you some cash in this fantasy baseball season. Let's get to our uh, starting nine for today's Baseball Elite podcast. Uh, going to lead off with a guy who's been there not only all of this season, but has been doing it for a number of seasons. And yesterday was kind of a historical day for him. We're going to talk about the great Max Scherzer, who, uh, despite some predictions, not saying who, uh, but Max Scherzer is still great in 2021. Uh, what isn't great for the Dodgers, though, is Cody Bellinger. we got to talk about just the extensive struggle. The guy's now getting benched. He's hitting eighth. What the heck is he? For 2022, we'll hit on that in the two hole three spot. We'll talk about the ongoing soap opera that is Jake DeGrom. Believe it or not, the Mets actually want to pitch him at some point this year. Does it mean anything to you? We'll touch on that. Mention Andrew Benintendi, another guy who's uh, pulling a Benintendi up north is Lourdes Gurriel. That Blue Jays team is playing some awesome baseball over the last three weeks, and Gurriel has been a big push on that. So we'll get you a player profile of him. In the five-hole, it is a short look at the waiver wire wins in our Sirius XM host league. Uh, both Ray and I are in this league. There's a number of others in that league. Nobody has money, except Ray Flowers, I guess. Uh, so the waiver wire is kind of quieted down, but we'll still take a look at uh, some of the bids that were made last night. Get you some news and notes in the six hole and the seven spot. We'll take a look at some of the highlights of Rob Pobia's weekly planner at fantasyguru.com. And then in the eight hole, it's our random reference. And then in the nine spot, it is our stamp of approval. Ray, let's start with the good stuff. Let's start with Max Scherzer. Yesterday uh, on Sunday, he became the 19th member of the 3000 strikeout club. Had a perfect game um, into the eighth inning. Uh, had another immaculate inning, which is the third of his career. Nobody in baseball's ever had four. So everything was turning up roses for Max Scherzer. Came in a head-to-head -head against San Diego, who they may be facing in the wild card. It continues just a spectacular run since he got to L.A. That trade has absolutely paid off. And Ray, lo and behold, here's Max Scherzer again gunning for an NL Cy Young. And I think he's got a very good shot at it, Ray, at getting another Cy Young award. And I think it was me early in the season said, I'm shying away from Scherzer, not really jumping on board. Maybe the, the, the father time will finally win this year. Very few signs that father time is going to win this year. Well, and I, I was on the, now, you know, now it's time to start moving on train last year with him. So, you know, I was more in this year, but I was more out last. I mean, this is, what he's done, let's just, call, let's just call it, what he's done is remarkable. It's not just remarkable for a pitcher who's 37 years old. It's not just remarkable for Max Scherzer, who's you know been spectacular in his career. It's just remarkable the fact that as he's getting older, nothing is changing. I mean, the, the strikeout rate's there. The walk rate's as good or better than it's ever been. You know, the whip, I mean, his whip is 0.82. <laughs> this guy is going to the Hall of Fame, most likely, and he's having the best statistical season of his career in some respects at 37 years of age it just doesn't make any sense and he's going to win the Cy Young award I mean it, it's just it's absolutely remarkable what he's doing and you know since he's, he's he's become a Dodger he's got what I think I saw it was either the first or the second best ERA ever by a trade deadline pickup if he's made eight starts I think it's number one 0.88 it's given up five five six runs and eight starts I mean, this is, it's wild. And, you know, you can talk about Cody Bellinger and what his future brings. I mean, based upon what we're seeing at, as of right now, Max Scherzer is still a rock star. He's still a top 10 pitcher next year. And there's no reason to doubt it, which is shocking. Well, we're probably going to have to talk people off a cliff of making him the number one pitcher and making him a first round pick. Aren't we? I, I mean, that's Ray, whatever. We have all these issues about innings and such. This guy's going to make 30 starts again. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned the Cy Youngs. This is going to be eight straight years. Eight, think about it. I'm, I'm going to toss the 
the shortened year last year. Throw it out. And he wasn't that great last year, but again, it was 12 starts. So I'm going to toss that out. It's it's eight straight full seasons, Ray, where the guys finished top five in Cy Young voting. I wonder if that's ever been done. Maybe it has, but I, I'm kind of thinking no. And this run he is on, and it started with Detroit, went through Washington. Now it's going on with L.A. It's just remarkable. And, you know, everybody likes Max Scherzer. And, and unlike so many of these other guys, we actually look at him and say, that's a sturdy dude. You know, that's a guy who, who takes the ball and he fights through. And, you know, he's not 100%. He's not. Nobody is. And he's fighting through it, Ray. And, and next year, I think people are going to be talking about him as number one overall. Now, we'll have to see if the DeGrom lovers will, will pass on that. But Scherzer might be the guy that people are saying, oh, no, we got to draft him number eight overall. And it's no knock on him. But the same old story plays, I think, whether your name's Max Scherzer or Corbin Burns or Jake DeGrom, it's like so difficult to make these guys a first round pick, at least as you and I kind of build our rosters. Yeah. And, and frankly, how the listeners should build a roster. Let's, let's be clear about that, because you can get lucky and i'm gonna use the word lucky you can get lucky and grab the pitcher that makes the 32 starts and you're okay but does that happen are you really willing to have your first round pick be lucky or not jacob Degrom didn't get there this year shane beaver didn't get there this year Drew, trevor bauer didn't get there this year darvis and giolito were okay but their performances dipped nola's performance dipped uh, luis castillo jack flaherty was hurt i mean these were the guys that were all top 12 pitchers this year the majority of the top 12 pitchers this year didn't live up to expectations and like a third of them were hurt. So I, I, again, I don't, we talked about this so much heading into this season. It made no sense this year more than ever before to avoid, I mean, to take starting pitching early. People still did it. A lot of people did, you know, double up uh, Trevor Bauer and Luis and Jack Flaherty owners. How'd that go? Like, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Um, but if you're going to do it, you can look at father time with him and say, eh. the only other guy that really, I mean, it's Walker Buehler, Garrett Cole, and Max Scherzer, right? I mean, that's kind of where we're at at this point, Kyle. Well, and, and with Scherzer, Ray, like kind of like you noted, there's just no signs of <laughs> wear and tear, are there? Well, I, I mean, is there anything in the in the numbers that you say, oh, this isn't as good as it normal? Like what I see, and it's mostly base level, but even when you dig past the base numbers, it's just like, this is the same dude, man. This is... This is going on a decade now of this guy not given an inch when he's on the hill. Yeah, the the strikeout rate, and this is going to shock people, I think, the strikeout rate this year of 35.4% is the best he's ever had. Which, And I know the league has changed and everything, but he's 37 years old. Like, And he's been in that change, right? It's like he's yes. been pitching years with the league having changed. Yep. I mean, really, this league has become strikeout or nothing in the last six, seven years. Yep. Scherzer, you know, that's prime time for him. But, like, you know, it's better than ever this yeah, year. Yeah, it is. Fifth straight year with 12 strikeouts per nine innings. Um, his walk rate this year is the third best of his career, but it's less than two batters per nine innings. No give there. I think the one issue we have with him, if we're going to nitpick this, is the fly ball rate and you know there are guys like justin verlander's done this for years too they're guys that you know they, they elevate the fastball and they get the strikeouts and all that we understand the game right but with scherzer you know the 48 fly ball rate this year is a career high that's not you know yeah you know if it was i'd feel so much better if it was 42 43 percent like his career mark um but i can live with it because again it's coming with 12 strikeouts per nine innings and you know so the ERA is, I think, a little more volatile than it suggests this season because of the fact that the home runs could be an issue moving forward. But his overall game, like you said, it really hasn't budged much of an inch. What becomes so fun here, and this doesn't pertain too much to the fantasy world, but Ray, the dude's a free agent, as we all know. It, Giants! <laughs> oh, sorry. No, it, is he staying with the Dodgers on like a five-year, $180 million? And, and people say, what, the Dodgers are getting, well, dude, Trevor Bauer's gone. They just paid him 40. Yep. You know, it's and, and what's astounding, Ray, is, you know, you take the picture of these eight years and we always talk about this with free agency guys get paid for what they've done versus what they're going to do. Like, it's difficult to argue you can go beyond five years with Mark Scherzer because then you're paying this guy into his mid 40s. I mean, it, but, you know, a normal guy, if he was doing this at age 30, Ray, he probably gets like a 10-year deal for half a billion bucks or something. But at this age, I guess like four or five years is kind of the max. And and if I'm Scherzer, I might just stay in L.A. I mean, that, that ballpark should work for him. Obviously, he's adjusted really well 
to the West Coast, I mean, the rich may get richer. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a California guy, and I know that, you know, depending on where I was just talking to my significant other's father, it sometimes takes him an hour and a half to go 12 miles to get to work. So, you know, depends where you're at there. But I mean, Ray, they have chauffeurs. They, 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 yeah, you can sit in the back <laughs> drinking Tom Perignon on Daisy's not pitching. Um, I mean, I, it's beautiful out here. And, you know, the team wins, the Dodgers will spend money, you know, as long as he's fit, you know, mentally in a good place. I don't know why he wouldn't at least consider it. And, and maybe he would just say, look, give me three years, give me 110 million. You know, I'll pitch on 40 and then I'll reassess. You know, it may not. He may want 140 million. He may. I mean, you know, especially like you said, with the Trevor Bauer, you know, contract kind of paving the way for that. But there's always going to be the reluctance. You know, he's 37. And as great as he is, he's 37. I mean, there's just, and you can start talking about pitchers being effective late in their careers, but how many guys at 40 years old are striking out 11 guys a night? You know, it's like two guys ever, one guy ever. Randy Johnson, has anyone else done it? I mean, so I don't know. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be fascinating to see. He'll get huge money per year. It'll be fascinating to see how many years he gets. Um, number one pitcher overall for you. Not first round. Mm-hmm. Do you think Scherzer can be the number one dude going into next season? Or is that just a bridge too far for you? I think it's a little too far for me. Um, I know Garrett Cole pitches in the AL East and Yankee Stadium and all that. But, you know, given that, that he's what? six, seven years younger, and they're virtually identical. I'd still be leaning Cole at this point. I think it's pretty much proven he also can, you know, eat innings up. Um, Scherzer, for me, is is top 10 without question. I think without breaking everything down, he might be top five, maybe. But I might back him off just a little bit because of that age. How can you say, like, it's it's fascinating. Is that just an age thing, Ray? Yeah. Is that really the knock? Well, because the numbers say the dude, I mean, you say maybe top five, and you look at the numbers, like, how can you say he's not top five? So well, it's, it's almost got to be just an age concern, huh? Uh, yeah, because it's it's an age. Yeah, it is. And and, and the reason I say eh, I'm, I'm having an honor, because if you look at the guys, like, who, who this year performed, like Brandon Woodruff has been great for a couple of years now, but he's, you know, starting to, eh, he's missing a start, eh, you know, like Corbin Burns, teammate has been phenomenal. He hasn't been talked about enough. Corbin Burns has basically pitched almost as well as Jake DeGrom and Max Scherzer. Uh, and if you look at war, he's actually the best pitcher in baseball. Um, but can he throw 175 innings? We don't know. Zach Wheeler can throw the innings, but I think he's a little bit behind the other guys in terms of the skill level. Um, you know, Walker Bueller, I think has proven that he can take the ball every five games, which is like the last missing piece for him. And you start looking at the group and it's like, it's hard when you start peeling guys away, like Robbie Ray, Charlie Morton, Julio Urias, Adam Wainwright. I'm looking at some of the, those guys aren't ahead of Scherzer. So maybe I need to reassess that statement. I already just made there, Kyle. Well, uh, ranking pitchers is one thing. And, you know, we've got four or five months to do that. Uh, ranking hitters is a total other battle. And uh, we move from the good to the bad with the Dodgers. Um, even a team that is having that much success and may win the NL West, they've got issues. And Ray, as we go to the two hole, I thought it was only appropriate to talk about Cody Bellinger uh, because on Sunday when Scherzer was shining and getting his 3000th whiff, might I add, he's the second quickest guy to 3000 Ks. Uh, while he was doing that, Bellinger was uh, sitting on the bench and, you know, Ray, they termed it a day off, but mm-hmm honestly, this guy belongs to the bench. He just does. And and that is wild to think about that. Cody Bellinger has gone from a guy who some people were taking in the first round. And I didn't have a problem with it. If you were drafting Cody Bellinger on the back end of the first round coming into this year, no issues whatsoever. Now he's going to be able to point to injuries, but I'm not really buying it because the guy's been on the field now for over two months and has been playing and Ray, he just can't hit. I I, I mean, we, we, we saw some of this in previous Octobers and there have been years where it was just, but, Ray, this is a year where this guy has become perhaps the worst hitter in baseball of regular players. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's saying a mouthful. I mean, we're talking a 160 hitter. His slugging raise under 300. And I, I just wonder, is there any hope for Cody? Like, I watched him last week. They were in St. Louis. And, you know, I've kind of been following the Bellinger story, but I hadn't really put my eyes on him. So I got to watch him for three or four games. And he's totally impatient. It seemed to me like he was just going up there and the first pitch he saw, he was trying to drive it and it was pop-up after pop-up and, you know, he doesn't look right at all. The confidence is gone. It's, it's amazing how a guy has just lost it, but Cody Bellinger has lost it. Well, and you know, 
we see this happen from time to time and it's vexing. Andrew Jones is streaming his way to the Hall of Fame and he just stopped hitting. Well, it, this is, this reminds me of like Chris Davis. Chris Davis was the next guy I was going to mention. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Those two guys, I think, are the prime examples. Now, in the case of Andrew Jones, it was a decade and he was the best defensive center fielder in baseball. You know, Chris Davis had a meteoric, what, four or five years as a power hitter and then just, but we're seeing the same kind of just stopping of hitting. Now, in the case of Jones and Chris Davis, neither one of them ever rebounded. That was it, right? You look at Bellinger and you, and you like to think, you know, the dude's 26 years old and he's and he barely like, you know, you like to think he'd rebound. But we've talked about him over the years and we have both have commented that he's he's never settled, you know, and it's like you, you need to have an approach and a swing and everything and you need to go. And, you know, he's he's kind of the modern day Cal Ripken. You know, Ripken every year would change his batting stance. You know, he's playing the, the violin. He's standing upright. He's, mm-hmm. And Gody Bellinger, someday, some some years he comes in, he's standing up straight. Some years he's bent over. Some years his hands are away from his body. He's closer to his body. Sometimes he's hitting 300 for three months. Sometimes he's hitting, you know, a 45 home run pace for three months. Like, he's he's adjusting too much. And at this point, he's in his head. He's made the adjustments. It's not working. He's done this year. And it's remarkable how done he is. The big concern I have, not that, that he struggled, guys struggle. It's that the struggles this year come on the heels of the struggles last year. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's gotten worse this year. There's no doubt. But for two years now, he hasn't been league average. It's not just a, a one little. It's two years of him being less than league average. And right now, I mean, let's be honest, Kyle. He's Hunter Renfro. He's Randall Gritchick. Like that's the area of player he's in. And it will be fascinating, fascinating to see how people view him next year, because for two years, he's been more of an out than a plus in the fantasy game. But, but Ray, I would almost argue, I know how people are going to view him next year. They're going to say, oh man, this is such a bargain. Look at the talent. He can figure it out. And I'm not like, I'm not going to be one of those guys saying Cody Bellinger can still figure it. I'm kind of done, Ray. <laughs> I am. And that's, yeah. and, and I even wonder if he'll stick with the Dodgers. He's up for arbitration. Um, and, and Ray, he's almost become like Jock Peterson, you know, mm-hmm. now Jock Peterson never reached the heights of Bellinger, but Peterson became like a half dude with LA and they just moved on. They've got talent. They can make trades. They can, they can take a bad contract somewhere else or Ray, they can even go out and sign Starling Marte this offseason, right, right. And say, we'll take Marte and, and we'll move on from Bellinger. Um, he's making 16 million this year. He's got. I think three years of arbitration. So, I mean, the way arbitration works, the guy is going to get. I think it's two 18. years, Kyle. Oh, does he have two? I think so he's going to get 18. He's going to get 20. And that's with him sucking. Now, the Dodgers, they got to save money somewhere. And I think that's a place, Ray, where a team will say, okay, we'll take a shot on Bellinger. Will you pay half the, the contract? Okay. Like, I even think he's going to get traded. Once he's traded, Ray, I'm, I'm really done. I don't think there's like a recovery for, for Cody Bellinger going somewhere else. Well, I mean, it's the, he's got the worst walk rate of his career, the worst strikeout rate of his career. So he's lost control of the strike zone. He's got the worst isolated power mark of his career. His exit velocity is the same as last year, but that's below his career average. Uh, his launch angle is way up. His launch angle is up six percent, which speaks Pop-ups. to what you're, That's what he's yeah, doing. Speaks to what you're talking about, right? Yeah, he's he's lifting the ball, but the, the, he's not driving the ball, so that's a horrible combination. Twenty three percent is too high. It used to be 17 percent, which is where it was is ideal, really, which is why he was such a good player in the past. Um, his hard hit ball is a career worst. His line drive rate is a career worst. So if you look at the the Statcast data, everything is down. Everything is down, and it's in the area of league average maybe slightly better than league average which again is the hunter renfro zone it's like there's nothing in the batted ball data there's nothing in the approach data and there's nothing in the two-year data that suggests this is unlucky this is unfortunate that he doesn't deserve this this is who he has been now for 145 games and that's concerning I was talking about, you know, and I, I'm looking at, you know, swings out of the zone, swing percentage, zone swing. That's all, you know, he's he's just aggressive mm-hmm. and it appears to be too aggressive. Do you do you have in front? And I was looking yeah. for this um, pitches per plate appearance. Uh, I can look that up. I know that his O swing, which is his percentage of pitches swung outside the strike zone. His career mark is 28 percent coming into this season. This year, it's 36 percent, which yeah. is a massive jump okay so what we have with bellinger's we have a guy just like you're saying kyle your eyes didn't deceive you 
We have a guy that is expanding. I just need three games that I yeah, know. Yeah, that's all you needed. They, <laughs> they don't need scouts. They just need Kyle Ulfring. Um, his He just expanded the strike zone tremendously, and it just doesn't work. If, if you look at his pitches per plate appearance, and this is pretty interesting, actually, Kyle. Career mark is 4.1. This year, 4.1. Okay, yeah. So it's and it's been remarkably consistent. It's been three point nine eight to four point one eight. So that what, what I would is, say, Ray, is he's aggressive. He's swinging at the wrong pitches, and yep. pitchers kind of know where to pitch him now. Yep. I think all three of those things. And yeah, there's pressing that's natural. Mm-hmm. You know, you get off to these bad starts, Ray, and sometimes it's tough to to dig out of them. And sure. we've seen it with other guys this year, like Yelich. It's not as bad as Bellinger, but Yelich hasn't gotten Francisco Lindor. You know, that hasn't really gotten going, even though he hit three home runs last night, but <laughs> he hasn't really gotten going. Uh, it, it doesn't matter if you're a superstar or not. It, it, when you press and when you get off to these bad starts in April or if they stretch into late May, they're, they're really difficult to recover from. Yeah. His first three seasons, a 44% swing rate swings at all pitches. 44%, second year, 45%, third year, 44%. Last year, 48%, this year, 52 so even though he's seeing the same amount of pitches, his swing percentage is way up too. So it, it, it goes all to what you're talking about. He's just out of sorts and, you know, he needs to step away and he needs to refigure this whole thing out. And that's tough to do because we've seen guys and that has to be part of what happened to Chris Davis. It's not like all of a sudden Chris Davis stopped learning how to hit a fastball. Like he just got in his head. He got messed up. His mechanics started to leak. Pitchers started, you know, hitting zones, spots in the zones where he was struggling. He wasn't able to make the adjustments and then it goes. And I, too early to say Bellinger is going to go down that path. But again, we've got two years of him heading that direction and it's not good. Well, and, and you nailed it. I, <laughs> I'm pretty negative on the guy. I'm not going to be drafting him next year. I know people will. They'll be his favorite, their favorite pick, you know, because, oh, I got this guy in the 12th round. It was an MVP three years ago. Um, and he is still young. I get it. But I, I just the things I'm seeing and knowing that the Dodgers can now go elsewhere and prepare accordingly. Um, and if you take him out of the Dodgers lineup and you send him to some other team, how willing are they to sit through his slumps? You know, next season, no matter where he's at. And, and I realize that more than likely he's in L.A. OK, I get that. But no matter where he's at, the leash is short. If, if he comes out and has a bad six weeks, he's on the bench. This year, they've given him a ton of leash. I mean, they're rolling him out there every single day. Now, they finally committed to hitting him eighth, which says just volumes about where he's at in his head right now. Um, and, and Ray, even if he stays with L.A., I think that's one of the fears with drafting him is this year he's getting a pass. You know, they're still playing him. There's still hope, you know, but if you're not in the lineup, there's no hope. And next year, he will not be given near the leash by any team that he's been given this year. Yeah, you're right. You know, and And that's why drafting him would be dangerous because, you know, you're taking a guy who doesn't have a confirmed job, probably as your third or fourth outfielder. Yeah. And he. Boy, it'll be interesting, too, because if you if you look at his career and, and it's and it's not Jock Peterson, but it's interesting you do the parallel. I mean, he's got a hundred and twenty point difference in his OPS against lefties and righties. The team could say, well, you struggled the last couple of years. We're not even going to pitch against lefties early on until we, we feel like you're you're locked in. Right. So he may not even hit lefties until June or so. I mean, that's it's a possibility. I don't know how likely it is, but it's possible. So, yeah, there's there is a lot. That's going to have to happen over the next six months with this guy to to get back into my good graces. And I I agree with your assessment today, Kyle, that it's likely not going to be enough to get me to say, yeah, you got to be buying him given that ADP. Got the good of Scherzer, got the ugliness of Bellinger. How about the confusion in our three spot of the starting nine of Jake DeGrom? (laughs) And Ray, this is a few days old, but I, I wanted to give you a chance to discuss it. We've had a lot of fun with Jake DeGrom this year. Uh, celebrating the good, uh, warning people about the soon-to-come bad. And what do you know? The soon-to-come bad has arrived. And uh, Ray, total non-entity in the entire second half. Hasn't thrown a pitch in the entire second half. Uh, The Mets, though, and DeGrom seem to want him to throw some pitches here at some point in September. Who knows? But I think the bigger issue, Ray, is now we've got total confusion as to what the real injury is with Jake DeGrom. Yeah, I mean, this, and for, and I know people, I, I say, if you've been following it, I'm sure if you're a baseball fan, you have been following it. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you've been interested. But, you know, the team came out and eventually said that, you know, the arm is messed up. 
and that there's some ligament, there was a ligament issue and now it's better. Okay. <laughs> number, number one, ligament issues can improve. That's, that's, you, you can't improve while you're pitching. Doesn't happen. It's not, it's not science. Doesn't happen. Okay. Number one. Number two, you and I sat here and talked about this over and over and over and over and over again. They were not letting him go deep into games. If he threw 85 pitches, that was it, right? They just weren't. So they were treating him like he was hurt. And we kept saying the whole time, he's hurt because look at how they're using him. He's throwing six innings because he's remarkably efficient, but he's throwing 85 pitches. Like they're... Then DeGrom comes out and he says, my ligament is fine. My ligament wasn't hurt. Okay, then what's happened the last four months? Like what's going on? And then you think back, what it was the shoulder it was the elbow it was the forearm i mean it, it he's been messed up all year it's remarkable that he has but, been but stop right there yeah, but yeah like he's yeah. been messed up all year look at these numbers I know. and that that's what everybody's going to come back with ray um is hey last year look how dominant he was when he was on the hill and i know he was injured but an off season he's going to rehabilitate there was no surgery I, forget about it man like there, we were talking about Scherzer and where he's landing. And Ray, I know that people will be back on. The, we're going to hear all these good reports about Degrom, and you know he'll he'll probably come back at the end of September, and he's hitting ninety nine again on the radar. And like people are going to buy that. And where this ends for me, Ray, is like all the news is good. He comes back in September, looks good. We go through an off season. Maybe he's not the first pitcher off the boards, but he's like top five still. And then, Ray, we're going to get the march, and the Mets are going to shut him down in camp, and Tommy John surgery is going to happen. That's where this is going, okay? Mark my words on September 13th of 2021. He, um, by the way, is an entire year older than Madison Bumgarner. He started his career late. People might have forgotten that at this point. But um, there's a noted baseball analyst that's pretty, pretty out there, you know, in the fantasy world, pretty well-known, who I saw put out his top 15 for next year, and DeBron was in his top 10. <laughs> overall overall <laughs> and you know i mean again you can you can play this game however you want okay kyle and i play this game to win we play this game with i don't know what 45 years 50 years of combined experience playing fantasy 40 of those are raised yeah He's pretty much, much older that's true yeah, that's yeah. true like, you can tell by my hairline but uh, and then beyond that the the 30 years we had of baseball knowledge before we started playing fantasy the odds of this going well for DeGrom next year are very low. If you want to play, if you, and it's the same thing as the people taking Josh Gordon. It's, it's, the same, it's, the same, it's the same thing we deal with in fantasy sports. People want to play the game of, oh my gosh, what could happen if Jacob DeGrom made 32 starts? He's not going to make 32 starts. It doesn't matter. So, um, I, and I've had this question and I had it again this morning or maybe it was last night in the chat room at Fantasy Guru. Like, what do I do with DeGrom? Because I'm in the fantasy playoffs. And it's like, they, like you said, I think they want him to pitch. I think he wants to pitch. Um, he comes back and what do they let him throw? What if they let him throw 60 pitches his first outing and he goes four innings? And then the second outing, he throws 75 pitches. You've waited all this time to get one start out of him that, it, that he could qualify for a victory. That's the thing too with me, Kyle. It's like, even if he makes it back in September here, you know, we're, we're almost mid-September. Like, how many pitches is he going to throw if they give him a chance? Well, they haven't confirmed. They just want – I think he's going to throw on the side later this week is the plan. Um, I say plan. This this team has screwed with plans all year. But um, – and that – I mean, Ray, I think about that, and it's like he can't throw more than three innings coming back. Like this game was July 7th. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's been two and a half months. So there's no way, no how this guy can even throw, I think, 80 pitches. And considering he's, it's just impossible. I, I think, Ray, they're seeing him as some kind of late inning hammer. Is it, and, and the Mets are still in it. They're fighting for the wild cards. And, and I get it. It gives you an emotional lift. But I just don't know how you start him. It, I, I think he's like a two-inning pitcher the rest of the way. Yeah. So I've, I've, to and I've told people, and it might end up being wrong, but I basically have told people when they've asked, it, I'm like, move on. You know, you, yeah. you, you, you got to. Well, okay. Well, here's the other thing then, right? How about like in keeper leagues? Yeah. Like if you're keeping, mm -hmm. you know, a 12 team league and you're keeping three dudes. Yep. You keep Jake DeGrom. That's that, that really comes down to who are you letting go? If you keep DeGrom, uh, cause some people have good keepers. Other people, it's like, oh, God, this is a struggle to find anybody. And, and that DeGrom thing, um, that's going to be a different answer, I think, for everybody in this offseason. On the surface, I'm not doing it, which people are going to say, that's crazy, Kyle. Look what he did last season. But uh, assuming 
Uh, this is a Kyle Elfring drafted team, which mm-hmm. is always really strong, of course. Of course. Uh, I'm going to have other options. I'm going to have healthy guys, and, and I'm going to take those guys. Like Julio, or let's say I got Julio Urias and Jake DeGrom, right? Mm-hmm. I'm keeping Urias. I am. If, if I get Zach Wheeler and Jake DeGrom, I'm keeping Wheeler. It's like this. That wouldn't be difficult for me at all. Well, he had three straight years of throwing 200 innings, and last year was COVID, so obviously, right? But as of right now, He's going to enter the offseason, not qualifying for the ERA title, if you added his last two years of innings pitched together. He's thrown 160 innings since the start of last season. And he's had multiple, not one, multiple arm issues this year. And again, multiple spots on his arm, okay? This is not a, a one-off. This is not he missed three weeks, his arm. That This was forearm, elbow, shoulder, multiple times on the injured list, multiple starts missed, multiple starts curtailed, and 160 official innings pitched in two years. Even if he comes back at those 10 innings, it's 170 innings in two years. Is he a bankable commodity to throw 170 innings next year, given just that obvious? No. And then you start talking about the, the pitchers and the type of injuries he's dealing with and the uncertainty. Is the ligament involved? Isn't it involved? I agree with you, Kyle. Hell, I would uh, rather have Justin Verlander for next year than... Because oh! Verlander's coming off the injury. DeGrom's getting ready for the injury. <laughs> That's why I'd take that shot. Uh, what a mess. Boy, these are going to be fun discussions next year. Bellinger, yeah. DeGrom, Scherzer, where's he land? Uh, let's move on to some other items. Uh, player profile time. Uh, let's talk about one of the hitters who has been red hot for the past month. It is a guy that uh, I know this because Ray and I do the Sirius XM show. And a couple of weeks back, we were in a commercial break. And uh, I don't know what league it was. But, Ray, you finally had to cut Lourdes Gurriel loose. You said, ah, oh, it's it, it's not happening. I, mm-hmm. I can't. You know, I've been waiting around. I got knees. I'm getting a roster crunch. I, I don't like it. But I got. And, Ray, I don't. I'm not kidding, man. Since you dumped him. Mm-hmm. Lourdes Gurriel has become Hank Aaron, dude. Yeah. It's <laughs> so as we look at a player profile, uh, Gurriel and the Blue Jays flying high. The guy's got 26 ribbies in the past month, um, eight homers. He's got, or excuse me, five homers, 26 ribbies, more walks than K's, 29 hits. The dude's hitting 360. The OPS is 1100. Um, it's been a really slow start, but man, this last month has been a lot of fun to watch with him. It has. And the Kyle's telling a true story there, by the way. Um, <laughs> but the flip side of that is I well, did would you like to defend yourself a little more, Ray. How did the Oracle well, miss this? I'm going to defend, I'm going to defend myself by saying this. I told all the listeners definitively to add Guriel. And I said, if there's a guy that can go banana pants for a month, it's him. Look at his track record. Uh, and I, Asked and when asked, I told a lot of people to add him. So hopefully they at least listened to that and then were able to hold on through, unlike me, hold on through. Well, because in the league where I dropped him, it's tout wars, and we only have five bench spots. And I just I didn't have the spot. I had injuries. In, in, in all honesty, Ray, when you made that statement, I was in a 15 team league and I was considering dumping him. Yeah. And and I was probably a few days away, and then it was a weekend and he got going. Um, I said, okay, well, I got to stick with him. And the eligibility helped me in that league. Mm-hmm. I was able to tough it out, but I was I was on edge of making the decision yeah. made. Yeah, and again, everyone's lineups are different, what their needs are, and I was looking at standings and all that. And again, mistake, I'm wearing it. Um, but he has been phenomenal. And the interesting thing is, unlike Bellinger, who never had the, the bounce back, right? This bounce back by Guriel is basically going to get his numbers close-ish to expectations mm-hmm. he's still not even to get to where we expected him to be let's not forget great ballpark great lineup it was going to be banana crazy pants for everyone he still doesn't have 20 home runs he's not even at 80 rbis he scored 56 runs yeah but if he finishes 20 90 it's okay with a 285 yeah. average i mean it's okay fine yeah, yeah. that's yeah. basically what was expected but the the thing with him that's so difficult is the wild swings of performance. <laughs> because like you're saying, if the numbers get to where we need them to be and where we expected them to be, and if you look at his last two weeks and his OPS is 1,400 with 24 RBIs in 13 games, and he still only get to where we expected, that two-week run should have made him a 300 guy hitting 300 yeah. this year. Yeah. And well, and, and Ray, there's no, you know, he's not timid at the plate. No. And that's why I brought up that yeah. walk. I mean, the last month he's got more walks in case. Great that's point. the thing he can't like, that's the, 
if he were to sustain that, okay, we got something. Mm-hmm. His career shows there is no sustainability there. But that's why, like, the last month, it's insane that he's walking more than he Ks because he usually Ks three times as much as he walks. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons when people, you know, we talk about in the preseason how to evaluate players and all that. That's one of the key and easiest things to look at. And I always talk about how does a guy control in the strike zone? And we went through it with Bellinger, right? Walk rates, strikeout rates, chasing. Look at those things. Because the the pit the players that have the approach that Guriel has, I was looking at Alberto Mondesi this morning. Fourteen strikeouts, one walk, last you know two weeks. When the players have that approach, they hit three fifty for the week, or they hit one eighty, right? If they're locked in, they have this torrid stretch like Guriel is having. They have this torrid stretch for a couple of weeks, and then they start expanding the zone a little bit too much, and all of a sudden that three fifty batting average drops to two fifty, and then two weeks later it's two ten. And so the approach factor is a huge key. And a lot of times when this type of hitter like Gurriel gets locked in, that doesn't change that much. In his case, as you've noted, it's really changed. He looks like Alex Bregman right now. And that just goes to show you, it's not just he's had a couple of nice swings. He is locked in and has been for a month. Yeah, so Lourdes Gurriel uh, looking good. Yuri, his uh, brother, Yuli, uh, has had a good season. I still have him in Tat Wars. Oh, that's good. You got one of the Gurry Owls. Yes, yes. Um, but Lourdes is, is catching up to Yuli. But Yuli, we should note him, uh, totally overlooked good season, uh, especially with the loss of somebody like Bregman. He's kind of carried the Astros through some tough times. So player profile of Lourdes Gurry Owl, he and the Blue Jays flying high. And I would suspect next year the Blue Jays will still have a good lineup and everybody won't pieces in it. Uh, Gurriel will probably get a bit of a boost just from being in that lineup. Let's go to the five hole in our starting nine, Ray. Uh, waiver wire wins. We always check in on them on the Sirius XM host league. It's a league where once a week we put in bids. And as I noted at the start, Ray, there's not much money on the table. Um, some people have bailed on the season, the guys who have the money. There also aren't many players. Uh, let's throw that out here, too. And that's one thing to always keep in mind with these waiver leagues, Ray, is it's great to have money at the end, but who are you bidding on? Um, like you got money and you got Austin Hayes, uh, Taylor Hearn was a pickup. I think Jesus Lazardo, who I think it was a two start week that people are after got him for a buck, but, but overall that's a, is that a 14 or 12 team league? I'm trying to think. Uh, that's 12 team, 12 team. It, it's barely picked over, isn't it? There, there's not much out there that you can really secure. It's a 12 team league. We can have up to five players on the injured list and we have 31 roster spots. So it, it's a very deep 12 team league. Um, but you're right. I mean, I look at the, look at the guys I put bids on, you know, Jake My- My- Myers, uh, Yoshi Susugo, Michael Waka, Jesus Lazardo, like An- Antonio Senzatella. Woo. Everyone excited listening to those names. Um, I, I'm, I will say this looking at the scope of the weekend, fantasy football crushed waivers this week. Did you notice that in your leagues? Like people did not bid this week. Yeah, um, I have no money, so that's my. Oh well, that's true too. <laughs> well, no, like I, I looked at you know this league. We had I, I got a couple of the, I think only four players were awarded. I had two of them. Um, that's kind of remarkable. Uh, in Tout Wars, only three people out of the twelve in that league made moves. I made three. There was only three other moves made by the entire league in my dynasty league. Fifteen team dynasty. You can always add someone in the dynasty, league, right? One move with me. That's it. Well, you so, can always count on Ray Flowers to, yeah. to bid, huh? <laughs> yeah, right? I wrote that 4,500-word article for everyone on, on the waiver wire, and I uh, went to town myself. But um, it was – football crushed it, which yeah. I think should give people that are still struggling for a championship or spots in the standing some hope because apparently week one of football hit, and everyone that wasn't in first or second place stopped paying attention on the waiver wire. Mm-hmm. Um, so – Hopefully they can they can make some moves. I think the, the biggest ad of the week, Kyle, was Austin Hayes, my guy. Um, he'll probably get hurt now um, because I added him. But uh, Austin Hayes has been really good for a month now. He's got an 880 OPS, six home runs, 18 RBIs, 17 runs scored the last month. Not quite a Lourdes Gurriel scenario, but Austin Hayes seemingly has finally found his Major League Baseball legs. Well, Ray, it's not going to help you because no. I'm going to keep you buried behind me in the standings. We've been uh, duking it out here over the last month or so. I'm a little bit ahead. You lost five points yesterday, Kyle. Oh, did I? Yeah. I, I just know I'm ahead of you. That's You're kind still of ahead of me by two. Yeah. You lost five points. Uh, Rick Campbell is two ahead of me. Uh, then me. Then Ray. 
than Anthony Aniano. It's like a three, four, four team race, I guess, for fifth. Maybe Ted Schuster comes back to the pack. Uh, you know, we always we always joke about Lenny Melnick. He's in second. Our man Lenny sitting in second in that league. He's not going to get first, but Lenny can Lenny can Lenny can play. I'll say that occasionally. <laughs> I pick on him, so I give him a little love. Uh, let's go to the sixth spot in our starting nine. Uh, time for some news and notes and. As usual, kind of injury-driven. Garrett Cole and Zach Greinke, both those guys set to be back on Tuesday. Uh, Cole with COVID, or Cole with ham, hamstring injury. Not going to go on the IL, so he'll make the start. Uh, Greinke coming off the COVID-injured list. So both those guys starting on Tuesday. Looks like Shane Bieber uh, will get a rehab start on Tuesday. So they're kind of doing the same thing as what the Mets are doing with the ground. Of course, the Indians are going nowhere. And I, I guess there is something, ready to just getting a guy out there at the end of the season to, to maybe build some confidence going into the offseason. Yeah, and it's a fine line because you don't want to push someone when they're not physically capable or any of that stuff. But yeah, I, I, having never been a professional athlete, I don't know, but I you know, was an athlete myself. And you know, it, it never felt good to go weeks and weeks and weeks without playing because you were hurt or something like that. So getting out there, having some success, getting that mental frame of mind back in the right place. I got no problem with that at all. You know, we haven't given you a Blake Snell update lately. And the reason why is he's actually pitching good lately. So Kyle Ulfrink usually shuts up about Blake Snell when he's on a roll. Um, if you look at since August, uh, Blake Snell has a 183 ERA. Hitters are going at a 134 clip. He's got 65 strikeouts in 44 innings. So this is the Blake Snell that everybody drafts. Uh, but Ray, I hope everyone enjoyed the six-week run because he, he may be done for the season. He was pulled on Sunday with what they are terming uh, left abductor tightness. Now, tightness maybe gives you hope of getting him back, but who knows how it goes, Ray. I, I kind of think the Padres are calling it tightness, even though they know it's a strain and mm -hmm. they'll probably end up on the IL. And I don't know if we see him the rest of the regular season. Yeah. And he obviously woeful compared to expectations. And uh, the worst part about it is that I, I feel pretty confident that a good deal of people that drafted him this year, let him go so that when he's finally figured things out here the last month, it was on a different team. So that's even more pain, right? You didn't get a good performance. And then when he finally did it, he wasn't on your squad, kind of like Lourdes Correal. Um, but his, um, his outlook is muted at best for the rest of the season. And he goes into the offseason completely up in the air because it, he's fascinating. If you look at his, his run here of late, didn't change his pitch mix up. It's not like the velocity's up. It's just, you know, it kind of everything kind of hit – to kind of counterbalance everything, strikes, not hitting, throwing strikes. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's um, he's a he's a tough one. We've talked about him so much. I mean, he throws five innings to start if he's lucky. That's in nothing changed. Moral of the story: nothing changed when he went to the Padres from the Rays. He was used the exact same way, and the results were awful still. So I, he's a tough one to get a handle on, but uh, not going to end up on a lot of my teams, I would think, next year. Likely to finish the season with 128 innings. Well, I shouldn't say likely. I shouldn't jump to conclusions, but if he were to not pitch the remainder of the regular season, it's 128 innings, which now makes it uh, five of six seasons without 130 innings is where Blake Snell stands. And even with this run, <laughs> the whip is 1-3-2, the ERA is 4-2-0, and he's got seven wins. Remember, he had 21 wins in that Cy Young year of 18. Since then, he was 21-5 and five, uh, that season. The rest of his major league career, he's 28-31. and 31. And I know wins and losses aren't all, but hey, we score wins, you know, and losses matter. They hurt your ERA, hurt your whip. Um, below 500 for his career. If you take away that 21 and five season, which is now uh, going to be going on four years ago when we flipped the calendar to 2022. Uh, a couple of other quick things on the news and notes entering a new week. I guess we're going to have to wonder a little bit about Aaron Judge. He left Sunday night with dizziness, which you don't often see. It may have just been, uh, you know, something of getting fluids in him. We'll see about that with the Yankees. Uh, Vlad Guerrero's up to 44 homers. And I bring that up, Ray, because Jared Kellenick's up to 10. And hey, the Mariners are rolling out Kellenic and they're like, okay, just throw him into the ocean, see if he can swim. The dude's still hitting 160, Ray. And I know everybody says, man, everybody missed on this call. Gosh, Jared. But I bring it up, Ray, because Vlad, you know, Vlad had his struggles, not to this level, but now he's a superstar leading baseball with 44 homers. Um, Kellenic, I kind of like Ray that they're rolling him out there every day and just committing to him. That's what teams need to do. 
Um, I, I have no problem with the Mariners throwing him out there. Bottom of the lineup, figure it out. He had a home run on Saturday, home run on Sunday. If nothing else, like there's moments where you say, okay, th- th- this isn't a total bum that we have going into next year. The interesting thing here, right, is drawing a juxtaposition with him and, and Cody Bellinger because he's been just as awful as Cody Bellinger, yeah. <laughs> right? But the perspective is totally different because this is, again, the start of his career and all that. Um, there are moments, and while he is awful, let's not mistake that, he's awful right now, the fact that the team is allowing him to do this, I think, is a positive because clearly they would not let Kelnick play every day and continue to be in the big leagues if they were worried about him mentally getting crushed, yeah. right? They, they would not, they would stop this because he, again, he's dreadful. But the fact that they throw him out there shows that they believe in him. They believe in his mindset. They obviously believe in the talent. And, you know, there's no reason to think that he can't emerge next year still, despite what we have seen this year. Um, you know, he's still on a, almost a 2010 pace over a full season this year hmm. and he's been awful. So yeah, that's we'll, we'll reassess him. And I I'm, I'm surprised they're playing him every day, but I also think it's a really good thing for him next season. Should ensure him to have a job, you know, going into camp. And I don't think there's going to be any question, despite the lousy numbers, he should have a job unless the Mariners do something in free agency or trade, but uh, he should be the everyday outfielder. I think. For the Seattle Mariners, let's move to the seventh spot in our starting nine. Rob Povia has the weekly planner over at fantasyguru.com. We like to spotlight a couple of uh, tidbits in there. And one I'll throw out, Ray, and I wanted to specifically ask you about it. Um, Rob points out, hey, the Giants are home all week, mm-hmm. and Oracle Park is a hitter's ballpark. And, and I wonder, Ray, how, how weird is that for you? Do you buy into this? I mean, last year we had the questions, is it going to become a hitter's ballpark? Are we ready to kind of call it that all of a sudden? Well, I... Uh... It's leaning in that direction for two years now. I mean, and by the way, we were talking earlier about uh, Ben Intendi. Has anyone noticed um, Brandon Belt? Uh, Brandon Belt, the, the last uh, week has a OPS of 1,700. Uh, the last month, it's only 14 games. His last 14 games he's played since he's come back, his OPS is almost 1,200. Um, just destroying it. Um, I looked it up because I was talking about someone in, to, to, to someone in the chat room about him. His OPS last year at home was over 1,200. His OPS this year at home is over 900. Uh, Brandon Belt, by the way, top 10 in baseball in OPS since the start of last season. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, well, it never stops with the Brandon Belt love. Well, I don't because it took 10 years for it to happen, though. <laughs> um, I, I think that we have a couple of things going. They changed the dimensions of the park a little bit here in San Francisco. And we, the weather has changed. And it makes a big difference. And I, I mean, I live 18 miles from the ballpark or whatever the heck it is. We don't get rain anymore. We don't get damp weather anymore. We don't get fog anymore. Like the, it's just different. And, you know, if you can have the ambient temperature, and I don't know what the numbers are, but have it go up five degrees sometimes in the past and have the humidity, you know, drop 15%. Yeah. I mean, it, it just changed in that the weather is drastically different. In California, that, it that used probably to be. changes the winds. I'm guessing too. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yes. And so they did a really good job with the winds, by the way, with the way they oriented the stadium and all that. So they they did take that into account when they were putting it together, more so for the fans really than for the you know the the ball field. But there's none. Some parks have like that jet stream effect. It's to left center, right center. It's not here. Uh, it, it doesn't have that. But overall, the weather has played a part here because you look at the Giants pitching. Giants pitching has been very good. So it's not that, you know, this is a, a pitching staff that's getting blown up and that's why the ballpark is playing the way it is. That's not the case. It's the, I really do think that some of it's the dimension change with the bullpens, but it probably is more about the weather. You know, here in St. Louis, Ray, uh, the ballpark has become so pitching uh, favorable to pitching that they're thinking of adjusting things the other way. They think it's beaten the, the Cardinal as a home team, like losing their edge. Right. Uh, because it's just so, and they've built some, you know, kind of like Atlanta has done. If people are familiar with that ballpark, they've built a lot beyond the outfield. And here in St. Louis, it's a ballpark village. There's a couple of skyscrapers that have gone up in the last three years and they swear that it's changed everything Mm -hmm. with that ballpark. Um, And so now it's a real pitching friendly ballpark and they think it's swung too far in that direction. So that's one team and every team kind of assesses this in the off season. Um, It's, it's an expensive change and, and not everybody has, direct answers you know you're kind of guessing sometimes but uh, that's one issue that's really popped up here in st louis a couple of other things uh, from rob's article washington is a ballpark that really favors hitters nationals with six games at home this week so lousy guys like alcides escobar lane thomas yadiel hernandez maybe you might want to take a look at them 
Uh, Jake Odorizzi's got two starts I saw this week, right? At Texas and versus Arizona. Would you do it with Jake Odorizzi, especially for these playoff people out there? Uh, do you chance it with him? Yeah, I was uh, discussing him with someone in the chat room today, uh, with someone in the playoffs. And I said, look, because the, the, the user said that, well, he only throws five innings. I go, you're right. He only throws five innings, but he has done it six straight starts. <laughs> only once in the six starts has he allowed more than two runs. So he's been effective. And the matchups on paper look great. Um, so I think that Odorizzi, yeah, he's, you know, he's had ups and, and certainly downs this season, but I think given everything, I think he's a plus for this week. And then, uh, he will be taking on Arizona. Uh, Rob brought this up, but we could see Ray a little bit more of Seth beer for, for those who missed it. Seth beer has been, been called up by Arizona. He's got one of our favorite names. If you're a true baseball fan and, and Ray, we may get to see a little of them here over the final few weeks and maybe as a DH this week for Arizona. Yeah. It's, um, I wrote about him on Saturday in the fab article. It's unclear exactly what his playing time is going to be. You know, are they going to just stick? I know what he's drinking at the bar. Yeah. He's got got a great name. What would you like? Well, it says so right on my uh, ID. That's what I want. Can you read bro? Um, (laughs) I think that he certainly is worth an addition. Uh, the playing time again is up in the air. It's unclear at this point what we're going to get from him, but he's uh, always hit. The question's really been about where is he going to play defensively, not is his bat going to play. And it's the Diamondbacks. What the hell do they have to lose from rolling him out there every day? I think they should. Check out Rob's uh, article over at Fantasy Guru. And again, for those in playoffs, it's updated every day with kind of uh, pitching alterations and the schedule and all that good stuff. So you want to check that out at Fantasy Guru. And of course, Ray. Uh, has write-ups throughout the week going uh, into the offseason. He will still be there each and every day at fantasyguru.com. We go to the eight spot. It's time for our random page. We head to baseballreference.com, and we see what reference they give us when we click the random page article. We claim it just has to be 1980 to present. We sometimes get box scores. We sometimes get entire teams. We sometimes get players. Like I said, it's a random reference. Uh, This week, I am clicking... Oh, we just made the cut. July 31st of 1980. Okay. Going way back. And I, I see these two teams. And I'm like, gosh, I don't know much about these two teams back in 1980. Baltimore at Texas. Uh, a Texas Rangers 7-4 to four win. This is the middle of the season, late July. Um, now, one thing I do know about this team, uh, this is 1980 before Cal Ripken showed up. But, Ray, it's pretty wild to see Fergie Jenkins still pitching in 1980 and he got the win in this game i mean some of these names here i mean like uh fergie jenkins uh buddy bell al oliver that's all from texas if you look at the orioles um eddie murray was on this team kind of in his prime uh dennis martinez was coming in in relief for a guy named steve stone and and steve stone is uh probably known more to the younger generation ray as a broadcaster Uh, been with the Cubs and now the White Sox, that 1980 season. And he did not win this game. But, Ray, in that 1980 season, Steve Stone was your AL Cy Young winner with a 25-7 and record. Yeah, and that is one of the rare games where the starting pitchers on both sides were Cy Young winners. That doesn't oh, happen very yeah. often. For not the in the same year. Not but... in the same year, no. But, you know, just facing off with one another. Um, that was – one of two years where he won 15 games, as you mentioned, 25 games, 37 starts, you know, which today we don't get relievers making 37 outings. Um, he had a remarkable season. He was top 10 in the MVP vote. He made the all-star team. He won the Cy Young award, as you mentioned, that was the only season of Steve Stone's career where he did any of those things. So, <laughs> you know, well, and, and we should note, right out of baseball, yeah. it didn't even pitch after 1981. So yeah. 80, he wins the Cy Young. He gets 25 wins. And then, Ray, we never see him again after 1981. Yeah, then the strike hits, and that's it. Adios. Um, but, yeah, just a truly remarkable season. Uh, another thing that, that I noticed is, you know, Dennis Martinez pitched in relief behind him. Um, Dennis Martinez, yeah, that guy that won 245 games. That's, hmm. that's pretty good to have a Cy Young Award winner and then a guy with 245 victories come in in relief. And look at the logo for the Rangers, Kyle. The baseball hat on top of the baseball. Love it. Cowboy hat. On yeah. Top oh, cowboy hat. Excuse me. You're right. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. I like that a lot. The cowboy hat. I mean, I expect to see J.R. Ewing's face. On <laughs> there that you baseball, go. But instead, it says Texas Rangers. But a smiling J.R. Ewing, I think, might be a little bit better. Um, there it was, Arlington Stadium, which I actually got to go to a game at Arlington Stadium. Oh, really? Stadium. My, my family always jokes that it must have been like 
trash. It might have even been, I don't even know if it's a joke. I was pretty young. I was probably 10, 11 years old. Um, actually 12, I think it was 90 maybe. Um, and Ray, it might've been trash man night at the ballpark. Our Arlington stadium was much more of a minor league park than what we envisioned as a major league park. You know, it was kind of a shell stadium with bleachers and such. Um, and it was a rowdy crew, um, back there that night in Texas. I do remember that, um, if nothing else. So there it is. Random reference, July 31st, 1980, a 7-4 victory for the Rangers over the Orioles. And, uh, that was one of the few losses for Cy Young winner, Steve Stone that year fell to 16 and four had 16 wins before August. What do we got? Two guys in baseball with 16 wins right now. Different game. Yeah. <laughs> 16 wins before August 1st. Um, okay, Ray, let's close things down with the number nine spot, the stamp of approval. Every week we finish off the show by uh, giving a thumbs up to something in our normal walk of life. What do you got for us? This is where everyone, I'm going to ask them to feel really sorry for me because my life is so hard. Um, I, on f- football Sunday, right? It's a long day. Um, Kyle and I get done on Sirius XM, by the way, uh, on Sundays, we're nine to 12 Eastern. Uh, help me out the other two days, Kyle. Is it, uh, let's see, nine to 12 nine to Eastern on Sunday, nine to 11 on Saturday and 10 to midnight on Friday. Okay, there you go. So you can't keep that straight, Ray. Come nah, on. It's an hour <laughs> off. I almost missed an hour on, on Friday, actually. Um, my gal came running outside. I was talking to her dad and she's like, Ray, aren't you on the, I'm, no, it's an hour. I said, oh, phew. Um, so we're, we're on till midnight or Eastern. Um, I start Eastern. Well, let's just call it my time. Nine o'clock Eastern, nine o'clock Pacific time is when we end. I start the day at six 30 in the morning. Cause I got to get up. I'm tweeting on Sirius, you know, for three hours before all that. So I got a long day and I don't drink coffee. I'm not a coffee guy. It's just not, you know, I don't love, love the taste of it unless it's an Irish coffee. It's got the whiskey in there. But I had a nice warm cup of coffee. It was 6.30 in the morning. Sun was just barely up. I was sitting down into the computer for the start of those 18 weeks of madness for football season. So I'm giving a stamp of approval to something I don't normally do, Kyle. A nice warm cup of coffee. Well, it's about time, Ray. People have been drinking it for millennia. I've so, heard this. You know, yes. Thanks for finally jumping on board the coffee train. Yeah. You know, you're a little late. A little bit. Good to have you <laughs> hanging out with us. Uh, my stamp of approval is going to go to uh, former Carolina Panther tight end Greg Olson. You mentioned football, obviously, Ray, you and I are planted in front of the TV on Sunday. Uh, Greg Olson in the booth, I think he was with Kevin Burkhart, who a lot of people know from the baseball world, was really good, seemed comfortable. Um, And I know he did some work last year and when he was injured and such, but um, I think he's legit. Now, I know he's not going to get the love of Tony Romo. That'll never happen. But uh, I was just pretty impressed with Greg Olson right off the... Right off the start, he spoke with authority and was very comfortable and didn't feel you know, a lot of times the guys get in there and they kind of tiptoe around the booth and mm-hmm. uh, they pull back. And, but he was able to talk about a lot of different things. He was calling uh, it was the Atlanta Philly game um, that I caught. And uh, he, he was very interesting on both sides of the ball, too. You know, sometimes you think, oh, he only knows the offensive side. But he was talking plenty about the defensive side, too, and had a lot of good Kyle Pitts stuff since obviously they played the same position. So stamp of approval. To Greg Olson, we like to complain about announcers, but I thought, I thought I'd get off to a good start and we'll see where he goes from here. Uh, that'll take us to the end of this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. We come at you once a week as we go deep into the finish of the fantasy baseball season. Uh, Ray, over the coming days, uh, we mentioned the serious stuff. And, and of course, you'll be writing as well for people to find you. Absolutely. Yeah. My big football article comes out on Wednesdays. That's on the Fantasy Guru football side of things. Plenty of time for you to get in if you haven't had that subscription renewed or created. Um, we have a great group of folks over there helping you out. Uh, tremendous success week one um, in both seasonal and the DFS game. You can go to EliteFantasy.com for the DFS game. You can go to Elite Sports Betting if you want to get involved there. You can do the big three. If you contact customer service, there's a contact tab at the bottom um, left side of the page. Click on that. Uh, you can get the big three. You can also contact support at EliteFantasy.com. Um, then get a discount on all three of our products if you want. But uh, my football piece comes out. It's huge on Wednesdays, but that doesn't mean I'm doing stopping baseball. We're going to keep doing this podcast, as you said, Kyle, through the rest of the season. I'll be writing articles Monday, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and in the chat room over there at fantasyguru.com, helping people get to that finish line. Yeah, good call. Uh, you mentioned the, the calls on players. Uh, Kyler Murray was the lead wide receiver. That wasn't a call that everybody made, and uh, he certainly performed. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins 
was quite good. I know Corey Davis was listed as a top five option uh, amongst wide receivers. So those guys paid off. And oh yeah, we got Travis Kelsey to this, uh, this week. We called that one. <laughs> That's kind of, so smart. kind of a gimme, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so check all that stuff out. I have of course got the uh, live stream so you can hunt me down uh, over there at elitefantasy.com. That's uh, pretty well every day, 5.30 to 6.30 Eastern. A lot of football jumping in there. Uh, we're just a few weeks away from even some hoops and NHL, but Baseball is uh, kind of the focus. So if you're looking for more baseball, again, head over to EliteFantasy.com live stream available every day at 530 Eastern. That does it for us on the core four. Core four. That's the name of the live stream, Kyle. Oh. <laughs> it does it for us on the Baseball Elite podcast. That's the name of this show. Ray and I will see you next week. Uh, good luck to all who are in the fantasy baseball playoffs. And tune in next week. More ways to help you get that championship right here at FantasyGuru.com. 